everybody, and welcome to an all-new episode of The Chat. We are back and ready to go tonight with so much to discuss because a lot's been happening in the world of soaps and in the world of primetime TV. But before we get into everything, let's say hello to our co-host, Tiggs. How are you? Doing well, Casey. Hopefully there are sunny days ahead in Port Charles. And I don't mean that. I don't mean sunny for him. Okay. Um, Alan, how are you, my darling? <laughs> I'm okay. Good. Glad well, to hear. I had to, I had to clarify. You know the VA fans crazy as hell. Oh, yes. And... <laughs> the chocolate syrup on top of my vanilla ice cream. <laughs> Here we go. Here we go. Okay. <laughs> Why can't we get through a regular intro on this goddamn show? I'm good, Casey. I'm good. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing well. Thank you, Star Jones. Um, but <laughs> oh goodness, I love you, Rodrigo. We were kind of battling back and forth on Twitter that one day about Elizabeth Corte. So Let's just start there, shall we? Yeah. <laughs> um, so anyway, coming straight from our friends at Daytime Confidential, it's a new year and a new writing regime over at General Hospital. GH co-head scribes Chris Manhattan and Dan O'Connor have been let go and replaced by veteran writers Patrick Mulcahy and Elizabeth Corte. Earlier in the day, Buzzworthy Radio ran a rumor report on both O'Connor and Van Etten being out and Corte stepping in as interim co-head writer. Now, Soap Opera Digest is reporting Mulcahy and Corte will take over the writing duties. Scripts by Van Etten and O'Connor will run throughout March. Van Etten was first named co-head writer in 2017 when Gene Passanante retired and Shelley Altman stepped into the co-head position. Two years later, O'Connor became co-head when Altman retired. Mulcahy is no stranger to the GH world. He previously worked on the show as an associate head writer and breakdown writer from 1998 to 1999, before heading to The Bold and the Beautiful, where he wrote from 2005 to 2019. Mulcahy's writing credits include Search for Tomorrow, Texas, Guiding Light, Loving, and Santa Barbara. Corte has been on the GH writing staff since 1994. No word when Mulcahy and Corte's material will air. So, Rodrigo, you're kind of the number one GH fan on our podcast panel. So why don't we kick things off with you? What do you think of this shocking move? Well, I mean, was it really shocking? Um, you know, my man Alan over here has been leading the charge <laughs> for this. I have I have defended Chris and Dan on this podcast. Yes, I have. Uh some of them stories I did like a lot. Some were not that good, but I can't lay all the blame on Chris and Dan. It does start at the top. And I just think they were just the casualties of the war right now in daytime. And unfortunately, well, unfortunately or fortunately, depending who you ask, there needs to be a, a, a change at the writing team. Um, and to get Patrick Mulcahy out of retirement, because if anybody knows Patrick, I mean, I've interacted with him on Twitter, me and him were going back and forth. Like he's friendly, he's a very nice man on Twitter. He's very outspoken on the genre. He knows what he loves about the genre. He knows, he knows what he doesn't like about the genre. This man is a master of dialogue. He is known for his dialogue in soap opera. 
And this change needed to happen. And I'm so happy that he is on this team. He knows the history of General Hospital. He started under Bob Guza's original writing team. Thank you, Michelle Valjean, for correcting me on that, because I thought he started with Labine, but it was actually with Guza. Um, and he's responsible for a lot of the, the, the great 90s stuff that we all crow about on GH Twitter about well, this one show. Of his, one of his very first episodes he ever wrote was the famous Clink Boom. Exactly. Exactly. And he is responsible for the creation of Carly. Yes, I said Carly. Um, yeah, so, and careful because Patrick goes out there and was like, yeah, it was Bob's idea, but Patrick kind of ran with because as Patrick yeah. said, I love in the locker room interview, he said with Carly that he didn't think enough decisions were being made to progress the character. So he took it upon himself to make those decisions. Exactly. <laughs> so, so that's why I'm happy that he is here because he knows the character of Carly. And I'm sure Patrick has done his homework. He has watched uh, what's going on. I don't care what any of these former writers say when they say they don't watch. They watch. They know what's going on. They see what they could do with story. And I'm sure he's watched the, car the character of Carly because that character, you, you say that lady's name and it is a total eruption of <laughs> total fuckery on that timeline when you tell the, when you say this girl's name. And I'm just like, okay. Uh, this is a good thing because Patrick knows this character. He created this character, co-created this character. He knows what should be or should not be done with this character. He knows at what, at the age that Carly's at right now, where she should be. And I'm not talking about regressing her back to 25 years ago. That, that would be so backwards to do that. But putting her in a space right now where fans can, you know, it's a win-win situation for everybody. Uh, Liz Corte, I'm happy about her uh, getting a a boost as head writer because you know her. Remember her and Michelle Valjean were co-head writers back in 2001, before Jill Farrell decided that oh I'm just going to put Megan Tavish on here and destroy the show. But anyway, uh, at least she's getting a second chance to be co-head writer. Now I know you know there's just this big ugh controversy about Liz Corte and what's, you know, her favoritism to Carly and then, you know, forgetting history and whatnot. But I'd rather take a Liz Corte who has history with this show, knows this show. These actors respect this lady. They know her. They trust her. And now she's in a bigger position. She's, she, they're linking her with Patrick Mulcahy. She's not by herself. That's what you do with writers that you know may go off the handle or you think may go off the handle. You put her with somebody that's going to, you know, put make them equal together. That's what Gene Passanati did with Ron Calavati. That worked for them. That's what Gene Passanati did with Hogan Sheffer. And that worked. So, like, that's what you do. You pair these two together. They have a history together going back to the 90s with GH. They respect each other. This is a good thing, I believe. Um, now, the only thing I'm, that's going to suck, every time there's a new writing change on on any soap, everybody going to have 5011 lists 
of what they want and what they don't want and what they think they should have and what they think is going to happen. So it's going to be two months of Twitter, just like all these requests of what needs to be done. But I think all I want for myself is character-driven stories and longer, meaningful scenes. And I believe with Corte and Mulcahy will get that, you know, like Patrick Mulcahy is not going to come out of retirement after the brilliant work he did at Bold and Beautiful with Michelle Valjean and the Avant storyline and the transgender storyline. He's not going to come out of retirement on some bullshit. So I'm sure, I'm sure they sweeten, they sweeten that deal for him to come back. And we shall see by April, definitely by May sweeps, it's going to be a new day in Port Charles. So, Tiggs, let's go over to you. So, Patrick Mulcahy, beloved soap legend writer, trained by Douglas Marlin, trained by Bridget and Jerome Dobson. May Bridget Dobson rest in peace. Um, and then we have Elizabeth, who's been at the show for um, a very long time. So, I mean, this seems like a good fit, right? Do you think brighter days are ahead in Port Charles? I do. I do. Uh, you know, if the closest thing to Bob Goozer we're going to get is Patrick Mulcahy, as long as there's somebody there that knows who the fuck Caroline Lee Benson is, because the last five head writers have not. It's like, and it's not just their fault, it's ABC's fault too. Because since they see her as the female lead of the show, they felt like they needed to write her as this flawed heroine. That's not Carly. They tried to pull that bullshit with Sammy, and it failed. But unlike GH, Days went back to writing Sammy how she needs to be written. ABC has been digging in their heels and stubborn. Like Alan says, GH is the most stubborn song. You're going to eat shit quietly, and you're going to like it. And that needs to stop. If GH want to hit 65 or even 70, that shit has to stop. That's why people have left in droves over the years. Because y'all not listening. And when y'all finally do fucking listen, it's too little too late. Um, Like I said, we all love Patrick Mulcahy. Hell, when he left Bowl, we wanted his ass to go across the hall and write Why Not. You could always tell when Patrick Mulcahy or Michelle Valjean has written an episode of Bowl because things make sense. It feels like the bold and the beautiful again. They 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 try their best to make sense of Brad's bullshit and minutia. That's a good writer. Elizabeth Corte, okay, she has a Carly bias. That's fine. That's fine. As long as Carly is written in character and held accountable and, 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 and called out on her bullshit, I'm fine with that. That's been the biggest issue with the characters. Carly's always been Carly. But they just she don't, she doesn't pay for anything. She always has to win. When you're twisting yourself in knots to make Nina the villain for reporting a crime, it's asinine. It's ridiculous, and that's why GH social media platforms have always been the most toxic because ABC has had this bullshit agenda for twenty years, and it needs to go away. It just needs to go. And I'm waiting for some chaos cuts because some people need to go. Hopefully the right people. Because, you know, be careful what you wish for. OGA's cut, cut it, cut the cast down by 15. Then it'd be some big-ass explosion. And about seven of those characters were legacy needed to stay. You know how they do. 
You got to be very specific when you ask for shit. Um, but I'm cautiously optimistic because you can have the greatest right. It also comes down to Frank and that punk ass Nathan Barnes. It comes down to the network too. Because we've heard a lot of little stuff behind the scenes of all the shows where certain things are pitched and the network poo-poos it when it could have been good drama, good story, because they like they don't know what the fuck they're doing. So hopefully they let them do what needs to be done. Frank, quit trying to hire somebody you worked with on One Life 20 years ago. You let that motherfucker go do dinner theater some damn way. Okay? If it don't make sense, don't cast it. Leave it alone. Let Mark Teshner do his job. That's why he has multiple Emmys. Let Mark Teshner do his job. Let Liz and, and, and Patrick do their job, and you do yours. And quit playing Monday morning quarterback and nitpicking every motherfucking thing. And we'll be fine. So, Alan, let's go to you piggybacking off of interesting thoughts from our other two on the panel here. So, GH... Um, is going into its second week of hitting a season high in total viewers uh, post Bobby's uh, memorial. And Nathan Varney uh, put out a tweet that was picked apart to death as it should be, uh, but said that the show was looking forward to winning back some lapsed viewers. So do you think that's possible? Do you think it's possible to keep this ratings momentum going and win back lapsed viewers? It is, but I don't know if, Jason Morgan's gonna do it for this. He's gonna play that shit. He did play all the Gooza hits, him with a gun shooting in a church, and just blinking all the damn time. I don't think that's gonna get the viewers back. Usually, stories will. But yeah, back to Chris and Dan. He had Lady get, Zerdy get fired. Remember, Peter August was came from the mind of Chris Van Eaton, and we had that shit for five years. For let alone, Chris should have been fired. And there's tons of stories you can justify them being fired. Willow's cancer. That was hor- probably the worst cancer story I've ever seen in so history. And that's saying something when you have like Michael's like one month prostate cancer story on Young and the Restless. So yeah, I'm happy they got Patrick McCray out of retirement. Because I was expecting someone like maybe Marley McPherson or Chuck Pratt. Because that's the type they usually hire. Because Patrick Pratt's Disney show got canceled. I was like, oh no, are we going to get him? Or are we going to get a Latino Drew in a cage, putting real Drew in a cage? Because that's the shit he'd come up with. Yeah, I mean, it, I was very worried too, Alan, about who we were actually going to get. There was a lot of uncertainty, I think. Um, and when I heard from my source, um, well, a source rather, what was going down. Um, I immediately started being like, okay, who are we getting? Like, is there any indication? Um, but I will say what I learned from the source, um, and I believe Navelle knows this too, is under Chris and Dan, there was a network mandate to showcase older veteran characters. Um, that was a huge mandate made to Chris and Dan. Um, and I think it was in a bid to kind of win back those laps viewers, as Nathan Barney talks about. And it is the reason why a lot revolved around Anna uh, for so long. It is a reason why we've seen Lucy pop up a lot and Scotty and Jane Elliott's stay become a little bit longer. Um, so 
with that being said, Alan, what do you make of the mandate to kind of pick up with older characters again? Um, and what do you think that says for the younger generations, like the Sprinas and all that? We're just about to utilize your older characters, but you also have to develop the older, the younger younger characters because as they sold out Sprina for a while last year because after Greenland, they just just butt around talked about the damn baby for like four months, and then they finally they're finally hearing this cab ride and they finally had sex. And now they're finally having Esme have her memories back. And people are calling out on bullshit. Even Laura's kind of waking up to it with a conversation with Spencer earlier in the week. They, yeah, maybe she has her memories back. And this is that's a bad thing. She's dangerous. So there needs to be a balance. You need the old, you need the old, you need the young. And Soap's always getting that balance right. Because other Soap's have those problems too. Because the young wrestlers, worse are young. It's basically back to old people. The only young person who's basically in leading story right now is Claire. So there needs to be balance. They need to get rid of the superfluous characters that we don't really need, like Sasha, Cody, and Finn, and Gregory. Chase can stay if they make Brooklyn and Chase a little more relevant. So I do like Josh Wickard. Yeah, they will. Really- they really need to take a look at this cast and say, who do we need? Who's relevant? Who needs to go? So, Rodrigo, let's jump back to you then. With that being said, um, to Alan's point, do you think with this um, mandate that the show has achieved any sort of young-to-veteran balance? Well, I mean, yes. I did see heavy, like... And- and, and I'll be real, I love the heavy rotation of veteran characters. I mean, the fans have been screaming, vets, 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 vets. And the, they gave you vets. I mean, the whole Cassidine, Victor's, you know, plot to take over the weather or whatever the fuck he was trying to do. At least, I mean, incorporated the history of the show, incorporated a lot of veterans. It had adventure. It had Jeannie Francis leading the charge that she used to do back in the 70s and 80s. I mean, it it just had everything you wanted in General Hospital. Um, but at the same time, I think that it did have a hard time balancing the younger characters on the show because why are the younger characters are having baby storylines and surrogacies and like, mm, we don't want to see that. Like younger, like, especially this generation, like, you know, you're doing storylines for the young characters that were reserved for the nineties and eighties. I mean, no, it's, you don't do that with those type of characters. And like the Sprina, Sprina, for example, like, why would you take that long? You know, that, that, that fan base, you know, ramped it up for that couple. And like the chemistry was there between Nicholas and Tatiana and, and you just, bided your time for what it is it just never made sense because this is the show that you know invented young love stories and like you know there's scotty and laura i mean that started it all that's what brought the show back was showcasing that couple you know in the front burner like it it just wrote it wrote itself uh but it's 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 a hard balance and to uh talk about you know 
piggyback Alan and like, you know, what, you know, getting rid of, getting rid of the characters. I'm sure Patrick Mulcahy, Elizabeth Corday, you know, when they bring in new writers and this is not anything new, when these new writers come in, you're going to see a lot of people going to be coming out. So like, I expect a lot of cast changes. I wouldn't be shocked if there are some firings that will rumble some feathers. <laughs> um, and that just comes with the territory of, you know, a change that's happening right now. And, and I expect that, like, I'm, I'm not going to be surprised. Like, the next two or three months, the cast of news or the, the storyline directions and whatnot, like there's going to be a lot of that going on. So um, I don't know. I don't know why I'm looking forward to it. Just because of the Patrick Mulcahy of it all and Elizabeth Court. It's, we've been screaming that, you know, you wanted Guza, you wanted someone from the 90s. You're, you're getting two of them for the price of one. So like, it's a lot to look forward to. And then Tiggs, what is uh, your thought on the mandate that was given to Chris and Dan? Oh, it's a wonderful mandate. For once, ABC made a good decision. Good for Mickey Mouse. About fucking time. I mean, but I mean, the writing wasn't always great and there to support that because you could have vets on all day. If they, if y'all, if you got shitty writers, all you can depend on is the vets turning in performances. Because writing ain't doing shit. We see that with Wine Off. We see that with Dates. We even see it with Bold sometimes. I mean, like Alan said, all four of these soaps have that issue. They all have that issue. Especially with, like, what, like with Dates. We love John. We love Steve. But they're 70. Their sciatica is kicking in. We don't want to see their old ass. They can assist. They can assist. But we need to see Eric and Brady and Sean Douglas and Joey and Tripp jumping their asses off of cliffs and airplanes and shit. That's what the fuck we want to see. As much as we love Marlene again, kidnapped once every sweeps. That needs to be Isabella or Samantha Jean. They like, like, like Alan said, you need to have a nice, healthy mix of the young and the old. There needs to be the passing of the baton. Because with losing Bill Hayes, these people are people. They get old, they get sick, they die. You can't keep putting those eggs on in one bath. Look at the cancer scare with Eric Braden last year. We can't keep on depending on these people as much as we love them and don't want to let them go. So I, I'm, I'm all for it. It was a great mandate. Like I said, hopefully we'll get some more good mandates. Yep, and, fingers crossed. <laughs> and the whole Jason thing, we all know. The thing with Jason, Jason is only as good as whoever they pair him with. Because that's what made Jason popular. Yeah, Steve Burton, he turns in a good performance here and there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the reason people fight about Jason is because whoever he's fucking at the moment. He's only as good as his love interest. So what are they going to do with Jason when he gets back? Him and Sam are done so. Jason fans, get over it. Him and Carly, they fucked that up the first time. It could, I have it could work, but they fucked that up the first time. 
So I have a feeling Jason. I have a feeling Jason and Elizabeth are going to be sniffing around each other. I and, just and have you know this what? feeling. I do too. Well, because, go, and I will love that because love you know, let's call a spade a spade. Like liaison, they had their fan base. They never gave him a shot. Steve Burton and, and Becky Herb still have that amazing chemistry together, and they adore each together. other. They adore it, each other. And there is a spoiler talking about someone from Liz's past comes to her doorstep, and I'm always thinking, mm, it, it phase that phase Finn out and put Jason in. And that's where the story is. That's you where you get. Me? That's where you will get the. That's where you get the attention. That's where you will get yep. the buzz. Yeah, have Finn go away this, for yep. this malpractice thing he's going through. Like, it's not, you know, and yeah. look, you can even have Finn and Liz say goodbye to each other and play a flashback. I really don't give a shit because if it gets him out of her orbit and off the show, then that's great. And that's the only thing that's going to really excite me about Jason coming back. Give him and Liz, finally, after 25 fucking years, their fair shot. Give it to them. Y'all ain't got nothing to lose. What you going to lose? You have nothing else to lose. Go for all 40 shows. We start going for broke. You can do things that were unheard of in the 90s. You can do it. Do it. Yes, these people going to bitch and mad and moan. They still going to watch. You finally get Jason and Liz together. All the liaison fans are going to cheer from the rooftops. And then all the liaison haters are going to hate watching hate. There you go. Because besides trying to do a redux with him and Carly, who are they going to put Jason with? Unless they create a new character or something. And we don't need that right now. And like I said, Jason, Jason and Sam are done so. No. What y'all need to do is wake up Leslie Lou and get her over there to fuck up with Sam and Dante guy. That's what you do. <laughs> Keep her away from Jason. They can co-parent Danny. whoop the fucking do They can be homies. That's fine. Yeah, look, look. We are still early in this year, okay? There's a. I am so glad they got they did this change early this year. Yeah, yeah. So like, it can get shit going. So mm -hmm. by like, I can wait till May for Patrick and all uh, this shit to like start airing. Well, what's but great you'll, is you'll the you'll see the seeds planted before then because like yeah. you know before they like. Oh, you already know Liz probably started yeah. today. You know she probably started yesterday. Putting little shit in the script, like bitch, I'm coming, mm. I'm coming, bitch. You know Liz gonna start editing shit right now. <laughs> and you know what? The show really needs it. And I think where you know the fact that we get to see them start airing potentially around um, the 61st anniversary is great. And that way we can have a May sweeps that builds to something. And, I mean, who knows what the summer and the fall is going to be like for that show. I really think that if they're left alone and get to do their job, GH will, without a doubt, be must-see TV again. Mm -hmm. I have no like, doubt. They could, they could connect Jason's return to that punk-ass Pikeman story. What if Pikeman was in cahoots with Victor Cassidy? They were business associates. Maybe he went to Cassidy Island to clean up some shit for Victor and came across Jason. And they snatched his ass up again for X amount of years. You tie it all together. Chris and Dan act like they could never know how to do that. Exactly. And it was getting annoying. <laughs> it's yeah. like they, they would have all these dangling threads, but you're not connecting anything, boo-boo. 
It's like somebody walking around with their shoes untied, tripping all over their damn self. Baby, stop and tie your shoes up. <laughs> oh, gosh. Well, yes, I think brighter days are definitely ahead uh, for General Hospital. But meantime, let's flip our attention to the writer's room at CBS's The Young and the Restless. There's quite a shakeup there as well. After 35 years, um, Emmy Award-winning writer Janice Marie Esser, the last of the Bill Bell hires, has decided to retire. She wrote Aww. to the crew of The Young and the Restless saying, Dear friends and colleagues, I wrote my first fate in at The Young and the Restless in 1989, the year the Berlin Wall fell. Tiananmen Square erupted and a British scientist invented the World Wide Web. Meanwhile, in episode 4,151, Cricket faced some harsh realities about her upcoming testimony against Eric, while at the embers, an irritated Jill tossed a glass of water in Leanna's face, and much hilarity ensued. Fast forward 35 years as our 50th anniversary season draws to a close. Having written and edited thousands of scripts for my home near the real Genoa City, I've decided it's time for my personal storyline to veer off in a new direction. As of today, I'm retiring. Call it a recharge or just wanting to try my hand at something different. Either way, I'm saying farewell for now and thank you all for sharing this amazing journey with me. It's been a magical career filled with remarkable memories and friendships I will treasure forever. I feel grateful beyond measure to have been a part of this magnificent collaboration. I remain in awe of your talent and dedication to making this show the best it can be. Until we meet again, know that I'll be watching with great affection and rooting for our beloved Y and R's continued success, as always, Janice. So, Alan, let's go to you. It was quite the shock when Josh Griffith outed all of the breakdown writers, including Natalie Minardi Slater, who once was uh, positioned to take over for Kate Alden um, in somewhere in the two thousands. Never happened. Lynn Marie Latham came. We know the whole story, but. With Natalie Minardi uh, Slater's firing, Janice was the last Bill Bell hire. What do you think this means for the future of scripts at The Young and the Restless? Well, she was the best writer there, but so it was a sad. But it's not unexpected considering people get old, people retire, but Soaps really need to start training the next generation. Her replacement needs to be maybe in her 30s or his 30s. Or at least someone who hasn't been on a soap before, people soaps need to hire new people. And it has a writer's strike. People need jobs. People want to work. People want to write. So they need to hire someone new who has an appreciation for the show and is willing to learn. Because as you can't do that because Brett Boyd, like a decade ago, came on down versus as I think a breakdown writer and and he learned a show. Oh, yeah, he, close to a decade. Yeah, he was hired by uh, Chuck Pratt, I believe. I think it was Josh Worth was because he, he came, Fred Boyd came on during Jasper's <laughs> last tenure. Because I always get confused from like his time from All My Children and then hopping over to Y and R. But yeah, he was he yeah, felt something. <laughs> I think Fred Boyd was also in Hollywood Heights as well. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Oh, I liked Hollywood Heights. Cute little show. <laughs> um, yeah, the for new. Need to pass a torch. Yeah. So, Alan, um, with that being said, though, um, what do you think 
should happen to the writing team as a whole at YNR because it doesn't seem like Josh Griffith is going anywhere. We've prayed for it for five years now um, and we're still here. So uh, do you think they should bring a veteran back just to train some new people or do you think they should just go full steam ahead with who they have? What are your thoughts? He's probably not going to go anywhere because that Claire story probably saved his ass for another year. That's what he does. He pulls something out of that to save his job. And then he coasts until the next time he pulls something out of that to save his job. He did it with Diane in 2022. He did it with Claire here last year. So we'll just have to wait until this fall to see what else he pulls out of his ass to save his job next year. Yeah. Maybe. I don't think anything's going to really good change. I don't think they're going to hire anyone. Like, it's really important. He's just going to be there for another year. <laughs> I like how you kind of made like a vomiting sound effect because we're all very sick of him. Um, Rodrigo, what are your thoughts on the oldest tenured head writer at The Young and the Restless hanging up her hat? I mean, I mean I'm sorry to see Janice go. I mean, she was there for a really long time and she's seen it all. Um, but I'm not surprised. I mean, it's, I mean, I guess Elizabeth Corte may be the longest tenured <laughs> uh, soap writer that's been on the same team, I guess. I, unless someone had, well, maybe Bold or Brad or some, I don't know, but it's part for the course. I mean, I don't know what else Janice could have done with the show. Um, Josh is just determined to take this, just sail the ship on his own and restructure it where he doesn't need any of the old guard. He knows what he wants to do with this show moving forward. And um, congratulations, I guess. I don't know. Look. The Young Arrestors for me is hanging by a thread for, I mean, honestly, there's so much they're going to get with this Claire Gray storyline. I know I already said this in the last podcast, but you cannot rely this show on this one storyline because nothing else on this show is making any bit of sense. And you lost the last bit of per the last person that could have told you a nice, quite a bit of history for continuity stake on this show. And and I guess Janet was like, fuck it. I don't want to be on the sick and ship no more. And I'm going to do my own thing. And I hope she ends up somewhere in daytime again. I don't know what her future plans are or if anyone is looking to hire her for another show. But I wish her well. But yeah, it's the God, it's the Josh Griffith show at the Young the Restless. And it's his way. And as long as he has his little friends on the top that he's known for years, mm, I don't know what to say about this show. I just, I don't see anything for the future. Um, and if the, the storylines that are cooking up right now, I, this Tucker shit is never ending. Ashley about to go crazy again. I mean, that's I mean, y'all go to the same shit with Ashley. Let's make her crazy. Like, okay, whoop the fucking do. What else do you have with her? 
what else is going on? I mean, that's the best you can do for Eileen? I mean, you might as well say the days. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know what to say about this, the future of this, the writing team at this show. I don't know. It's up in the air, Casey. Well, Tiggs, let's go to you. Rodrigo made a very good point about history. We're losing Bill Bell's last hire um, on the writing team. And meanwhile, the head writer of the show, who has been there off and on since about 2006, didn't even know that Victoria and Cole ever lost a child in 1998. So, I mean... Is the show in even more trouble now? We've lost an expert historian. Yes. I mean, for from the moment I knew what the fuck the Young and the Restless was, I saw that name every day in the credits. And I'm sad to see her go. I hope she finds some success in whatever she decides to end up doing. I think the only way we're going to get with Josh at this point is when it's time for renewal. The show is up for renewal this year. I don't think they're going to get a four-year deal again. It may be two or three. And we all know that comes with slashing that fucking licensing fee. So that may be the only way we finally get rid of him. Uh, and yeah, the Ashley going crazy thing, it would be nice and soapy if it was just Tucker gaslighting Ashley or feeding her antipsychotic meds and it backfires and she fucking kills him. That'd be a good story. But we won't get that. Of course not. No. That would be too compelling. Too exciting. Uh, but yeah, like, Josh Griffith didn't turn into the white Tyler Perry. He thinks he can do every damn thing himself. <laughs> and he can't. <laughs> I mean, it, 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 took, it, took Tyler, it took Tyler Perry 20 years and a billion dollars to finally start hiring writing staffs for his shows and movies. Finally. Congrats, Jamie. Okay. Love you, Jamie. <laughs> uh, yeah, like it's it's just that, you know, like 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 Alan said, so the writer strike has been over with for four months now. It's a new year. There are people still unemployed. They need jobs. They want jobs. Like, get some people in there and train them. Like Alan said, you ain't got to get somebody that that that's a king's ransom to pay for. You'll find some writers that are a little on the cheap side. And I would have been like that if Josh before the did that. Look, I ain't getting rid of all the breakdown writers now. I'll fire the ones we got, and then I'll hire two ones that's cheaper. He could have did that. I'll hire two for the price of one of those five I'm firing. Can we, can, can we do that, Margo? Can we do that, Sick? All right, I'll do that. It's like, because we all can see you can't handle it by yourself. You can't. Nobody can handle the job of eight people. You can't. And this is why we get all these little stupid-ass flashbacks and things that don't make sense. And Because he can't keep up his goddamn self. Especially for a man his age, Josh Booth is in his 60s. You're a senior citizen trying to keep up. You can't. Even Bill Bell knew when he needed to sit the fuck down somewhere. That's why he retired back in 98. Because he was like, shit, I need to do something else now. I'm getting old. Shit. But, you know, Josh thinks he's just supposed to go down with the ship. But, like I said, congratulations, Janet. On to bigger and better things. Joe Shelby, count your motherfucking days. 
I am very. Rodrigo. Not the government name, John. He said, tell me. But yes, I'm very happy for Janice. Um, She has become a friend of mine over the past couple of years. And um, she is so lovely to chat with. And um, she's a lovely human being. I wish her so much um, the happiness and blessings in this new chapter. Um, And she's got a career in soaps that will never be matched again. I mean, 35 years with a show and you were hired by the master of soaps, um, the king of soaps, really. Um, So that's just wonderful. And as for the Young and the Restless, Tiggs, you were the one who brought up the renewal talks. Um, I agree with you. I think it will be a year, um, maybe two. The last time Y&R got renewed was for four years and that news broke uh, in late 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 january so i don't know we'll see if we hear something again next week (laughs) um but when the show was renewed i did a little bit of research when the show was renewed for those four years it was at 4.1 million viewers on average and during josh griffith's tenure the show has lost around 800,000 viewers um since he's been back um 800,000 some days it's actually trended more upwards to 950,000. Um so it's a very I think there are more rocky days ahead for Y&R um especially into the spring because like Rodrigo said you can't put all of your eggs in one basket. You can't trust one story to reset your show. It's a good story. I still enjoy the Claire saga, Haley Aaron, Amelia Heinley, Colleen Zank, Eric Braden, Melody Scott, they're all still knocking it out of the park. But when they're not on, the rest of the show is falling apart. Like there is nothing to hold it together except one story. And it's one story that unfortunately you can't play every day because there's guarantees. You can't show Melody Thomas Scott five days a week for, you know, 12 months straight um, because nobody has, you know, $6 million to toss her away. Um, so yeah, I just I don't know what the future of Wyandar will look like. Josh really needs to go. Um, and Alan's probably right. I mean, he won the Emmy again for writing and he pulled another story out of his ass. So I just don't know what the future of the young and the restless will look like. I'm very unsure, and I don't think anybody can even predict it. Um But for now, let's head over to Wyandar's sister soap opera, The Bold and the Beautiful. So once again, coming from our friends at Daytime Confidential, uh, The Bold and the Beautiful's Bill finally has his mojo back. The publishing magnet and one-time playboy is once again romancing an eligible Los Angeles bachelorette. uh, Newcomer, excuse me, uh, Poppy played by Romy Park. Uh, Diamant chatted with Soap Opera Digest about Bill's revitalized love life. Bill and Poppy's uh, first attempted hookup is derailed by running into Bill's ex-stepson, RJ, and his girlfriend, Poppy's daughter, Luna, at the beach house. Diamant dished, poor Bill, I mean, I don't know what he's been doing off camera, but if we just stick with what's been on camera, it's been a long time since Bill has gotten some action. Let's not forget that this guy was introduced on the show as the ultimate Lothario, the ultimate billionaire playboy. Honestly, I don't even think Bill even cared. Lock that door, let him listen, let him hear it. Poppy is much more wound up about it than Bill. 
and Bill and Poppy scramble to exit before they're seen, leading to Diamant saying, It's very funny, it's charming and sweet. Despite the tension-free-spirited Poppy has helped Bill become himself again, Diamant said. Bill's been in such a shut-down place with the Katie um, thing falling apart and his misguided attempts with Brooke. And then Katie, at the same time, he has uh, he was just not in a good place. And this is kind of an awakening for him. So, Alan... Do you think that Poppy is really going to awaken the stallion? <laughs> I don't care. Bill can just die at this point. I appreciate they're trying to give Bill something to do because he's a few years there, just kind of <laughs> hanging around and occasionally kissing Brooke. But they need to do something more than just give him another kid if they want him to be relevant again. Because it just. Mm, I don't care. It's nice that they have three Asian women and they're all in front of stories because Luna, Poppy, and Lee, I think, have potential as a little family for them, but I don't... I, Bill and Katie, both those characters are on my list of characters that just, just lift, could just leave. They could keep Poppy around, maybe put her with a thorn recast, I don't know. No, yeah, maybe. I mean, that could be interesting. Um, Rodrigo, what are your thoughts, though, on the relationship between Bill and Poppy? Bless Don Diamond's heart. He is just so happy just to be on the soap set again. <laughs> he is so happy to be on the soap set again that he will say anything. Because, <laughs> Don, you know this is some bullshit. You know they are doing this a third time again. They are giving Bill the, a, the same storyline again where Bill, uh, he just, all of a sudden, he remembers this one night stand he had with this beautiful woman, and they had this great night, and you see Luna, you're like, oh, here we go. Bill got another child. I'm like, damn, Bill, you, you you just didn't believe in condoms, huh? You just did, you just didn't believe that you just you just, in the words of Evelyn Braxton, you spread it wide and lay it low. I mean, it's just, it's just, it's 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 so repetitive. And God bless you, Don Diamond. You're such a company guy. Like you know, this is bullshit. Like you, I know you want to say, yeah, I'm doing the same storyline for the third fucking time again. Uh, but at least I'm on screen again. Um, so th that's what it's giving. Um, what I do like about this, I do like Romy Bart as Poppy. I think she is gorgeous as all hell. Um, I don't know where they found her. She, I, The casting did right with this. Uh, uh, I do like Poppy. She's very bubbly. She has, you know, I like her personality. I know she's going to snap. In a, on, a, on a dime because that's how Brad does these characters. One minute you think you know them and then the next minute she's going to turn uh, because I know that she's not going to take Lee's shit no more. And I, that's the part I don't like about the story is like, I don't like Lee in this. I think she's a fucking bitch in this. I'm sorry to be stern on this. Like the way they... <laughs> they <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry. Fucking bitch. She's a fucking bitch in this. Like it's <laughs> it's such a turnoff. Oh, I want you and your daughter out of here. They got Naomi Masuda just doing the soap opera like over the top, like I hate you, bitch, acting and like 
it's it's like it's a turnoff. I'm like Lee. Okay, girl, she slept with your boss. Like that was 80 years ago, and you're more mad at her than you are at Sheila. And I'm just like, oh, okay, girl. Um, sure. Um, you can't. The, the same energy you give into Poppy, you don't give to Sheila to get her out of town. I'm just like, okay, where are your priorities? But anyway, uh, so that's the part of the story. I'm just like, mm, Brad, you're doing this again. Like all of a sudden, Lee is just 10 times as vicious and mad as ever. And like taking it out on this lady, you want her to leave Los Angeles because it's going to do you what good. And Luna, you don't, Luna is this character. You just don't know. Like one minute you think you know this girl, the next minute it's just like, they don't know where to take this character. And the, the, the romance with her and RJ is so corny and corn, so cornball. And you got Eric laid up. You just almost killed Eric. But now he wants to spot out like advice on love and shit. I'm like, Eric Forrester is giving advice on love and whatnot. I'm like, okay, sure. Um, it just, I just, Don, I'm just Don. You're not convincing me, sir. Uh, but I, I get it. I get it. You've been off screen so damn long that you're just so damn happy to be on the screen again. And I get it. Uh, and you're playing along with this, but this storyline just came out of nowhere, and it's a it's a repeat of what they've done twice already, and we already know where this is going. A Forrester and a Spencer are gonna get together again. It's a repeat and a retread of the same shit we've seen for the last ten years. So, ten years, shit, the shit we've seen for thirty six years. Not yeah, it's always been between the Foresters and the Spencers. I, I mean, I guess they're going back to the, the tried and true of this show is Forrester and Spencer. That's how they started. But I'm just like, can, Brad, can you come up with something else? That's all you can say? <laughs> That's all you can say. I'm just like, damn. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm happy that Don is back on our screens. I've always loved Don Diamond, but like, my thing is, is I kind of agree with Alan and I kind of don't just because like, to me, I think like Bill could die, but also so could every character on the show because it's just, nobody's doing anything. It's like, you know, I'm not even sure. Like I tune into B&B very sparingly and I'm like, well, nobody has a storyline. Nobody's doing anything. It's just uh, actors could read the dictionary and it wouldn't make a difference. So I really you know, don't understand the direction of the show because it is directionless, but it's never going to get fixed. I mean, it's always going to be Brad Bell. He could be 107 in writing that show. Um, but yeah, I just, I don't understand. But the actresses are fabulous. Uh, Romy, Lisa Yamada, who plays Luna, uh, Naomi Masuda. I think these are wonderful uh, Asian American actresses and they do bring their A game. They are all three great finds. Um, I've loved Naomi ever since she came on the show. Um, so, yeah, I mean, wonderful actresses. They're definitely reporting to work, and I think that's great. Um, but, Tiggs, let's go to you. What's happening on The Bold and the Beautiful in the year of 1990? <laughs> oh, well, you know, we're, we're, we're in November of 90, and Brooke just had Rick. And, you know, her and Ridge decided that she stayed with Eric out of obligation. And Stephanie is still trying her best to hold on to a man who clearly doesn't fucking want her. And then we got, you know, 
Taylor Allen Storm's face and everything going on with, with Jake. And that storyline dragged because, you know, Lauren Coslow was pregnant again. So they had to drag that story so she was able to come back and play it out. I'm, I'm kind of getting sick of that shit with Jake. It didn't ran too long. Um, but, you know, it's, it's, it's been good. Because I, I couldn't tell you what's going on in 2024 in Los Angeles. I can tell you what's going on in November 1990. And Brad Bell couldn't even tell you what was going on in 2024 in Los Angeles. You know, because like like y'all said, like, why is, Brad, why is Bill getting yet another long-lost kid? Like, God damn, was he not around to raise any of these motherfuckers? At least Bill Sr. was around to raise Caroline. And then here come Karen. Here come Bill Jr. Here comes the mailman. What are the odds of this? What are the odds of this? So you and your daddy, like, 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 why are we gonna say y'all laying low and spreading the wire for the better part of 50 years? Mm -hmm. Just fucking anything with the uterus, huh? Spreading seeds all over the place. Spreading seeds. Odds that these kids just keep popping up every five years. Like, (laughs) you know, it's really it is so much more that y'all can do. It's lazy. It is lazy. It is so lazy. You know, you could have gotten Ridge and Taylor back together. Torsten K actually has chemistry with Krista Allen. But no, we got to deal with this shit with him and Brooke. Again, for what? You could have gotten him with Taylor and you could have got a recast Nick back for Brooke. Kill off Kate. You know, Bill could have had issues with, with, with um little Will. You know, he could have been a problem child because of Katie's death. Like, it's so many things that Brad can do that he just refuses to. He just wants to wash, rinse, repeat. That's all he wanted to do. Yep, always. And I think we're all tired of it. Because um, you but, see how we, we have all these different opinions about days and GH1. How did we get the bowl? It's just, whew, uh, it's still on the air. Back to you, yeah. Casey. That's how we all are. We're, it's well, that's to the point where it's... I mean, I'll let people in on some insight, our listeners in on some insight. That's why you rarely hear us discuss the show. And that's why we rarely, because you can't come up with a topic for the bold and the beautiful. It's the same stuff every day. Like, what is But, but you know, Rodrigo, Alan, thank you so much, especially you, Alan. Alan, you take one for the team every damn day for 19 minutes. And I appreciate that. Thank you, because I ain't. <laughs> Oh, goodness. Well, let's head over to um, our last soap we'll be discussing of the night before we come across the primetime chat, and that is Days of Our Lives. We meant to discuss this last week um, before I had some personal issues come along, um, but we're back this week, and we're going to talk about the one and only Bill Hayes. Coming from CNN, Bill Hayes, a mainstay on the NBC soap opera Days of Our Lives for over 50 years, has died. He was 98. The actor's passing was confirmed in an email on Saturday to CNN from his agent, Gregory David Mayo, who said Hayes died, quote, peacefully on Friday morning, quote, surrounded by family, including his wife, Susan Seaforth Hayes. No, no cause of death was provided. Hayes played Doug Williams on Day's husband to Julie Williams, who is played on the show by his real-life wife, Susan Seaforth Hayes. His character was also father to Hope Williams, one half of the legendary Days of Our Lives super couple, Bo and Hope. 
Hayes first appeared on the daytime soap opera in February of 1970, going on to appear in over 2,100 episodes of the show. So Jason 47, uh, Days Page confirmed that Bill Hayes was still taping, meaning we could possibly see his last episode sometime in May. Um, and Days of Our Lives executive producer Ken Corday shared, I have known Bill for most of my life, and he embodied the heart and soul of Days of Our Lives. Although we are grieving and will miss him, Bill's indelible legacy will live on in our hearts and the stories we tell both on and off screen. Whew. Uh, takes, let's go to you. This is still, in my opinion, very heavy news. Um, but what are your thoughts on the passing of Bill Hayes? What a long, remarkable, wonderful life lived. And I, I said it. I said it a year ago. I'm like, we're never going to get scenes between Doug and Hope again. I, I knew it. I felt it in the pit of my stomach. I knew it. I'm like, Bill Hayes is, is, is up there in age. You know, behind the scenes, they like to play fast and loose when it comes to Christian Alfonso and Peter Reckle. I just knew it. Um, I just hope they do right. And hopefully I'll care about the show then because when Victor died, I didn't care. And I didn't like the way Victor died. And I didn't like the 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 what ensued in the aftermath of his I, I didn't like none of that. The whole thing was ugh. So hopefully they do right by Doug. You know, cast somebody as Dougie. Maybe Dougie had a kid, you know, that they can cast. Uh I know somebody been up been on the motherfucking phone with Christian Alfonso. With or without Peter Reckle, Hope better be there when her father dies. I need to hear her say daddy one last time. Uh, I just want them to do it right. Be sensitive to Susan and the family and the fans and just just do right and give Doug a great send off. And once that does happen, still make Julie a part of that canvas. Don't kind of just let Julie fall by the wayside because Doug's gone. And we need Sean and Bell back, Claire too, and Sierra. If Victoria Conifile can't do it, recast. Let the Sim fans foam at the mouth. They'll get over it. I just, I, I want it done right. Like we, we waited, what, eight months? But G.A.'s dead right by Bobby. I want Dave to do right by Bill and Doug. So we'll see. We will see. You know, Dave is in a transition right now, so we don't know what the hell is going to be on our screen in six months. So we'll see. Well, I think what's great is we do have the new producer, Janet, who has been there for 40 something years and we do have a team in place to really tip their hat off to the one and only bill hayes um i was very shocked learning the news when i woke up that morning um just because you know and a lot of people in this instance they talk about age and they talk about how old somebody is but 
Bill had a larger-than-life spirit that just made it seem like he was going to outlive everybody. And I know that may sound ludicrous to a lot of people, but he truly did. And he was still coming into that studio, memorizing dialogue at 98 years old. And he was still playing storylines out with this character. You know, the Doug Devil stuff happened when he was 95 to 96. That's remarkable. You don't get that type of stuff in the industry unless it comes from soap operas. You just don't. And it's absolutely heartbreaking. My thoughts go out to Susan first and foremost. I thought her statement was beautiful and I can't imagine what she's going through. Um, This to me is like, you know, this generation's uh, Tom and Alice with the way they've been positioned on the show and the history they have on the show and how many times they were married and how long they were married for. And it's just, you know, this feels like um, the equivalent of McDonald Gary leaving this world. And so, like Tig said, I really hope they keep Julie on the canvas and they continue to write for Susan and they continue to make this honored legacy to uh, Doug and the uh, actor Bill and I just, ooh, it's it's hard to get my words together because I do feel as though it is so fresh and uh, may he rest in peace. Uh, Rodrigo, let's go to you. Your thoughts on Bill's passing? Well, I mean, I was, I was devastated to hear about Bill Hayes' passing. Uh, I guess I, I, I don't have a history with, I mean, I've watched Days for, for years, but when I started watching Days, uh, Bill Hayes wasn't on the show and he would make sporadic visits here and there, but I didn't have a connection to the character of Doug until I did my own YouTube viewing of like early Doug episodes or readings of Doug. And I'm like, whoa, this man really was with a mother and daughter and had a <laughs> was had a daughter had a kid with hope was Addie's uh, hope was Addie's daughter, and Addie's daughter was another daughter was was Julie, who became Doug's love. I was like, wow, that was some scandalous shit that was going on on days back in those days. And like, I mean, Nobel, uh, kudos to him for that. But Doug, you know, Billy Hayes was just like just larger than life character. And I just went back and watched old clips. He was, you know, good with singing. They did a lot of singing on the show as Doug. And because he came from, you know, from that world um, in real life. And uh, so I got to, you know, learn more about the character of Doug. What really, and and I'm so glad we got to see this at 96 at the time when he did the Devil Doug twist on Days. And you can see how much fun he was having with that storyline and how much he went there with it. And he was still game to do anything. And he was still part of this show and he, he loved daytime and you got enough, you got to see another side of Doug and he played that. I wish he had got a nomination for that because that scene alone at Marlena's at Marlena's office, what he's saying that he, you know, he put, he put the bitch in the freezer Meaning Julie, and I was like, whoa, wait a minute, what's going on with <laughs> wait? 
that's how good he was. He could turn it on and off, and and he he did it right to the end. I mean, I rewatched the Christmas episode uh, when Doug and Julie were reminiscing about you know the treat, you know the the Horton tradition, how Doug got his first ornament, and I was just like, oh. It was so beautiful to see like the old guard there and like you saw Addie in the background, you saw old you, you know, the when Julie you know, Julie back then and it was just so great to see and he just did it with such love. Like me, you know, Bill and Susan, Susie Forfay, they they have championed this genre. They have like they've loved doing this genre for so many years and and they were in it to the end, especially Bill Hayes and that's what you love about daytime. We, you know, keep the generation going and like, oh, for him to do that to the end, like to do what he loved, that's a blessing in itself. And like, I just choose to sell, you know, I use it as a celebration of Bill Hayes' life because it was a celebration. Like he was soap opera. Um, so hopefully, you know, they do his, you know, they do his, you know, Doug's, passing right and they bring the right characters back. I mean, but I'm also a realist, you know, like, and no disrespect, like, you know, Victor's funeral being on that little plot of land, that little plop set, and you know, I mean, that's the best they can do. Um, you know, so I'm not, hopefully they have Christian Alfonso come back. That's the one person I do want back. Um, if only just her, I would just accept hope back, if anything, just so she can get, we can get some flashbacks and memories between, you know, if even if it's just hope and, and Julie reminiscing about Doug, I would be fine with that. A whole episode devoted just to those two reminiscing on Doug, I would be fine with that. Because uh, I'm a realist of like how the shows are, especially days. They don't have a, that much of a budget. We have to take that into account. Um, so I think Janet and Ron will do it justice, uh, especially Janet, because she's been there for so long. Um, so we'll see how it goes. We'll see where they'll do this, how they'll handle Doug's passing. But God bless Bill Hayes. Definitely. Um, Alan, let's go to you. What are your thoughts? What a life he had. Over 50 years on a show. He was in a Rogers and Hammerstein musical. He met the love of his life in the 70s. They spent decades together. And Doug and Julie were the show in the 70s. They put days on the map. Freaking Time Magazine. Before Bo and Hope. Before John Marlena. Before Steve and Kayla. Doug and Julie were the show. So it's really sad. Hopefully, the show will do well, do him proud, and send Doug off well. I'm sure Christina Fonson will say yes to coming back because I, I'd be shocked if she said no to that. Because she had a personal relationship with Lem, and as much as she kind of got tired of the show towards her last time she was on contract, she'd come back for this. So hopefully. If it's only just hope, yeah, I agree with you. With Rodrigo, you just be fine, just hope. You don't need to bring everyone back if you don't have the budget for it. 
But I also I, I agree too. I agree too. But we we always do that. That that's their 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 safety net. That budget. That pesky budget. There's no excuse. When Mickey died, they had budget constraints, and they did it beautifully. They mentioned uh, Marie and them being in the other room, and Maggie having moments of herself alone in the kitchen. There's a way to do it without spending an exorbitant amount of money. There's a way to do it, and it needs to be done. And I also, you know, I will make a quick note about Sierra is... um, I would love if Hope and Sierra, you know, hop on a plane together, you know, and you can just say Bo's still in that coma or Bo's not, is awake, but not well enough to travel. We don't need Bo there, but, you know, with um, Sierra, I will say this is a time to get Sierra there. I was floored, even though it was very nice to have Rachel Melvin back, but I was floored when I heard that the only reason they brought Chelsea back was because Victoria said no, or she wasn't available at the time when it came to Victor's funeral. I love Victoria Conifel. She's a great actress. She, to me, set that show on fire, and I loved every time they gave a story to Sierra. I love Sierra and Ben. Loved Beyond Salem Chapter 83, but she is not the end all be all to a part of character who is only 25 years old. It's like recast, get it over with. I think it would be a perfect time to reintroduce Sierra. You bring Mm -hmm. Sierra and hope back together for Doug's funeral. Hope can leave after two or three weeks and you have Sierra stay there. It would be the perfect Mm -hmm. time to introduce that character. The role of Sierra. Brady Weston will now be played by who did I say, Casey? Ooh, child, Lexi like Ainsworth. Oh, yeah, there you go. I did forget you said that. Yep. I will take Lexi Ainsworth. I'll take Ron's bestie, Kelly Massal. Um, there are lots of great people out there, and it shouldn't be all left at the feet. I'm sorry. It's not Erica fucking Slyzak. It's not Susan Lucci. It's not Melody Thomas Scott. It's not Jeannie Francis. It was somebody who was on the show in a very popular pairing. I'll give them that. But it was somebody who was on the show for like, what, three years? It's time to move on if the person is not available to come back. And like me and Casey were talking about it. With Doug being gone, the Hortons need a resurgence and they need someone to carry the torch from Tom and Alice to Doug and Julie. It needs to be Jack and Jennifer Rose. Yes. Jack and, 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 and Casey mentioned it and I begrudgingly agree. Whether it's Katie McLean or if you got to dig up Melissa Reeves. Not dig Jack and Jennifer <laughs> need to be there. They need to be there. Alice left that house to Jennifer. She needs to be there to help Julie and rebuild that family. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. None. I don't give a shit about the budget. Figure it out. So, yeah, I really think all you need is hope, a new Sierra. Unless Victoria's like, hey, put me in coach for a week. I'll come back for a week, whatever. Jack and Jennifer. And yes, it is time to reintroduce into the fold Doug's son, Dougie. It's ridiculous that Dougie's been a non-factor 
Like he's the chemo Abbott of days of our lives. It's, if I don't understand it, it's like it, it's time. That's Tommy Martin. Okay, they don't they don't forgot about him. They there's no Dougie. If they had their way, I mean, Steven Schnitzer is still alive, y'all. He's still there. Yeah, he's still there. And you let Linda Dano come play Vivian for Christ's sake. No. <laughs> no, 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 bring her back to someone else. We don't know we'll about you mentioned, you mentioned in another world cast member. What I was saying is they've had yeah. the another world connection. And, and, that, and that would be a nice thing. You bring back Doug, you bring back Steven Schnitzer, and then let him come back with a wife, and it's Alice Barrett. The fans would eat that shit up for a week. Like, it, 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 the little it would be, things. The, it'd be great the, to have when, when, when Abe mentioned Cass Winthrop last year, people shit themselves. You know, it's it's just the little things, the little things. And I want Eli and Lonnie there too. Oh yeah, so Eli and Sal are available. They better be there, and Lonnie better be out of prison. It's been two years. She did her time. It would be nice to have Stephen Olson back as Stephen Schnetzer, and you find somebody to play Dougie. And I mean, and it doesn't. Here's the thing, though. You know, as much as we would love it to be soap vets, soap vets are also very expensive. I mean, I would love it if Dougie was played by none other than John Hensley, but you don't have to even go that far. You can hire a man who's done, who's had some acting credits to his name, who's 55, you know. Um, mm-hmm. We don't always need the soap vet as much as we want because the show doesn't have the budget for that. Um, but yeah, Eli... Even if you don't want to bring them back, Mention them in story. It yeah. costs no money to mention characters. That's what pisses me off. Okay, don't bring them back, but damn, can you at least reference them a couple of like, times? You know, Hope, Hope could even say, like, hey, Julie, I just got off the phone with um, Steve, or um, hey, Julie, you know, after Sierra and I are done here, we're flying out to see Dougie for a week. He broke his leg and he couldn't make it. He's really sorry. Here's something. <laughs> And it's like yeah, like they did when Alice died and Warwick Critchlow was doing Pretty Little Liars and you know it was scheduling conflicts. He wasn't at the funeral, but they had a scene where Mike was in a car accident and hurt his leg. And Jennifer went to see him and they got to talk about Alice. You could work around these things. Exactly. It's not a so, really, honestly, as long as we have Jack, Jennifer, and Hope, and uh, Sierra and Eli and Lonnie, I- I'm cool because everybody else is already there. <laughs> you yeah. know, like. Hey, I mean, because like, like, yeah, I, I would love Rick Hurst to pop in the sky. I would love that. But you know, I, I'm not being, you know, I don't want, I know we don't have a 1995 budget. I understand that. But y'all got some type of budget. It's the reason why these shows are on there. Y'all making some type of money. They kill me lying on these shows, acting like they still cost $50 million to produce because they fucking don't. Quit lying. They will always use the budget as a scapegoat to not give fans what they want. And it's bullshit. Exactly. Well, let's head over to the primetime chat and our final topic of the night. Grey's Anatomy veteran Sarah Ramirez will not reprise her role, uh, their role, pardon me, of Che Diaz in season three of And Just Like That. Coming straight from USA Today, Sarah Ramirez has reportedly been dropped from the Sex and the City revival and sequel series And Just Like That. According to a Daily Mail report published on Wednesday, January 17th, Ramirez, 48, will not appear in the forthcoming third season of the HBO series. Sources told the outlet that the decision came down to Ramirez's character, Che Diaz, 
no longer having value after their season two split from Miranda Hobbs. HBO declined to comment. The report came one day after Ramirez, who is non-binary, uses they-them pronouns like their character Che, condemned the film and television industry for punishing actors who have spoken out in support of Palestinians amid the ongoing conflict between Israel and Palestine. Um, so, Palestine, pardon me. And so, Alan, let's go to you. Um, do you think that this has something to do with their post, or do you think this was just story dictated? Well, the timing is suspicious, but it is true that the fandom did not like the character at all. I didn't watch that show past the first episode because I don't really care about seeing these old women complaining about everything's woke now or whatever they do, so... I don't give a shit. Well, you just don't care about anybody over 43. Shoot. <laughs> um, Rodrigo, let's go to you. Uh, you also find the timing suspicious as well. Well, they don't have a reason to think that because they knew that the character of Shay was not working. I mean... Let's be real. Like that character is the most hated character in that show's history. Uh, didn't make Miranda look good because we're like Miranda would never act like this. Like I don't care how old she is, the character of Miranda was established so early on. Who she knew who she was straight on, and. Yeah, it just I, I it never made sense. First season of that and just like that, Steve is acting like an eighty year old man. And they're they're acting like they're a geriatric couple. I'm like, what is this bullshit with the first season? And then they introduce Shay and then Miranda loses her goddamn mind and just loses all types of sense of who she is because they is just like running Miranda ragged. And just like it's, it just the character of Shay was not well written. It, it like it felt like the writers were just trying to be so edgy and like, oh, look what we can do, and just like it was just like a slap in the face of yours, and it just it was just too much, and it's it didn't make Sarah look good at all. And I love Sarah Ramirez. I, I go back with they for like since. Grey's Anatomy, and I loved Sarah's character on Grey's. Uh, Callie, Callie thought that was my girl. Um, but now, you know, the character of Shay, it just wasn't a good fit for the show. And I wish, and I hope the show goes back to basics for season three. Um, enough with the woe is me shit enough with the <laughs> i need these women to be back to where they were before like you you know live your life like let's get back to life like it's it's been so like downtrodden and then like everything's the issue of the week and like i'm like oh i get it even though the second season was a lot better as far as the other characters that were on the show they you know they Nicole Ari Parker was a standout for me for season two. Um, just that scene alone when she was walking in the snow and like, oh, okay. Um, so, 
Yeah, she had to go. They had no reason to be on the show no more. It was over. Their storyline is has it's gone. It there was nothing left to do with with it was nothing left to do with it. That was it. That was it. That was it. So the Palestine thing, like, look, Sarah, don't do that. Because if that was the case, Cynthia Nixon would have been fired. So like Cynthia Nixon is doing the same thing. And you don't see HBO, like, she has two shows on their network. You don't see them, like, firing her. So they come up with something else, okay? Like, that's all I have to say. Well, when Tiggs sent this news to me, I cried (laughs) tears of so, so much joy. I was beyond happy. I was like thank god um i feel as though sarah like they really tried to really get into this character but my thing is is this is some of the most disgusting character development i've ever seen on a show and i'm tired of Michael Patrick King sitting up there like he did in season two and being like, we're going to give you more Che because we just think the audience is afraid of this character in the community. Sex in the City was one of the most trailblazing shows for the LGBT community back in the day. We literally, Stanford, a main character, was gay and was just, Stanford was sometimes considered the fifth lady. Like, Stanford's life was just as important to Carrie than any of the rest of her friends. So, like, don't even try that. And literally, Sex and the City was built on an audience of gay men and white women who are now pushing 50. It's like, that's what the whole audience was built on. So I felt as though I was disgusted with Michael Patrick King for trying to take a cop out, saying that nobody would ever understand a non-binary character on the show. Um, and I also didn't understand the arc of Miranda a whole lot. Cynthia Nixon definitely rose to the occasion, though, delivered some great work. But I didn't understand how your husband loses his hearing, you start drinking, and then that turns you into a lesbian. That's what it felt like to me, where I did not mind. I mean, look, if any of those women were going to become a lesbian, I mean, Miranda was kind of, mm. but um, I did not mind that Miranda wanted to become a lesbian. What I minded was she had this whole affair and yet was ready to end her marriage after Steve had sex with one person one time. And she was like hiding behind like her son's back with everything and Also, this is not who Miranda would go for. Che was not on Miranda's level intellectually. Che was not on Miranda's level career-wise, money-wise at all. And I don't care that this was supposed to be awakening for the character Miranda. Miranda always had very strong feelings that when she was with somebody, they had to be on her level or be molded onto her level like Steve was. Miranda spent years and years, and that was the main discourse of their relationship, was trying to get Steve on her level and him failing to do that. And so Miranda eventually got him a little bit there, but also accepted him for who he was. It was just, the whole character was fucked up from the beginning. Um, 
And hey, I'm hoping there are brighter days for season three. Season two was a little step up. Now, of course, we won't know what's going to happen until season three, until the spring or summer of 2025. Um, But fingers crossed that it is the sex in the city we all fell in love with. Um, Tiggs, let's go to you. Uh, Like I mentioned, you broke this news to me when it came out. So what are your thoughts? I think it, it probably was just a, it, it was an unfortunate coincidence. I don't think that Sarah was fired because of her support of Palestine. Also, homie, I'm with you, pro-Palestine. But, um, I, yeah, we, you know, my boyfriend, he, he hasn't got to end just like that yet. But everything I heard about that character was God awful. <laughs> so this is for the betterment of the show. And maybe they can get Miranda back to who she is. You don't need to be trying to be woke and career defining. Say just no. Carrie, Charlotte, and Miranda are women of a certain age. In the early 2020s, mid-2020s. It's like just them navigating their lives at their ages alone. That story. You don't need to make Miranda an insta lesbian or or anything like that. Just give them natural things that happen to women at that age and let them react in character. You know, let something happen to 60-year-old Charlotte, or that that, that would happen to a 60-year-old woman, and, and, and Charlotte react to it, forgetting that she's 60 because she still thinks it's 2002. You know, it's like you you do that as you get older things change and you will react to it. It's just like, well, I mean, it comes with age, you know, you know, you may still look a certain way or feel a certain way, but realistically, your body is the age it is. You know what I'm saying? Like things with their children, Carrie trying to date again after losing big, you know, there's so many things, you know, Brady could be dating somebody that Miranda fucking hates. That's against everything she stands for when it comes to politics and beliefs and stuff like that. That's a source of contention. Well, you know, uh, like, yeah, that could have been a source of contention. Like, because the type of character Miranda is, imagine Brady brought home somebody that she just fucking hated. That would drive Miranda insane. You know, there's so many different things you can do than what they tried to do with that shake hair. So I don't, I mean, I'm with Sarah. That's that, that's my boo thing. But I don't think they were fired because of that. No, your character sucked, baby. <laughs> yeah. But, you, you know, sucked. bring up Charlotte. We'll say, like, real quick, I will say about Charlotte. Low-key, Kristen Davis has been carrying the whole show <laughs> for the past two years. I'm just you better say be- it. You better fucking say it, Kristen <laughs> Davis. She has been carrying that show. like The entire Charlotte's storyline has been my favorite the past two those two seasons. And I guess it's funny why I said Charlotte because they're writing Charlotte in character and there are things happening to Charlotte at her age that should be happening and she's dealing with it. She's reacting to it. And she's dealing with her own trans daughter as well. So like Mm -hmm. she, she is going through her own journey. I love her and Harry. Harry's one of the best husbands on that fucking show and like I love her friendship with Nicole Arya Parker's character. Like they are like 
I, well, no, I would love to see a Berlin. show with those two, like that, those two and their husbands together. Like, I want to see more of that dynamic. Charlotte, like with Charlotte's story and the introduction of diversity in Charlotte's life, it, it's all so natural. Like, it's none of it's organic. Different. So yeah. organic. Mm-hmm. Exactly, and that's what it's, you need with these shows. If you're going to reboot these shows and have continuations and stuff like that, there's a way you can progress. Like, like with the Connors, for example, it's the same show. Roseanne just did. The characters are still the same, and, but they're just dealing with current issues, exactly. and that's why I still love it and I still support the show. Yeah, and you never need to be too preachy. Things can just occur naturally. I don't, you know, it. not every day needs to be an after-school break special. We get it because the thing is, is when I started Forever in a Day and Tom Racina was looking at our lesbian story on the show, he said the biggest thing you need to remember is that people get it nowadays. People get it. You don't need to preach at them. You just need to have your characters talk normally. And you just need to treat it like it's everyday life because it is everyday life now. You know, it's not a shock to have a non-binary character on television anymore. This isn't, you know, 1967. This isn't, you know, um, an actual woman playing a trans woman on television on a sitcom with a laugh track. you know, this is real life now. Like, we don't need to be preached to. Things can just happen organically, like they have happened for the character of Charlotte. Charlotte has expanded her world after being trapped in a very conservative white woman bubble. (laughs) And so it's been wonderful to watch that character's development, and I wish the whole show was like Charlotte's development, to be quite honest. And we've seen this over the years with shows, even when we were younger with sitcoms and family dramas, when, when, when the show has been on a little too long. So they get preachy and we get the dramatic moment of the week. You know, sometimes as much as I adored the show, Party of Five got like that. You know what I'm saying? So it's just like, it, there doesn't need to be some tragedy every week. There doesn't need to, there doesn't need to be a teachable moment every week. Let these characters live their lives and they evolve through the things that they go through, just like real people. We evolve, we grow, we change, sometimes we regress. Let that be the narrative. Exactly. It's like trans women are women. Non-binary people are people. Gay people are gay people. Lesbian people are people. Trans men are men. It's like it's a new age and in New York city of all places, it's like, if you're going to have your show set in New York city, don't come at me preaching then because New York city, you know, it's famously known as the melting pot and there's diversity in cultures. There's diversity in sexuality. Like you said, Tiggs, people grow and they change, they evolve, they regress, they learn, they are the teacher. They're the doer. Like, so yeah, I hope, season three will be a lot more understanding of that but yeah sarah i'm sorry baby your character sucked that's all there is to it with that being said tiggs where can our listeners find you on twitter the bim master part two wonderful rodrigo what about yourself darling you find me at rodrigo's world if you want very good alan you follow me on Rapper. Awesome. 
And Alan, I know that you're still bringing us some good soapy writing in the form of your column. So can you tell us what's next? Kind of preview it and where listeners can read it. Well, I was going to do a column about how Chris Lansing should be fired. So that's out the window. So now it's going to be a wish list for 2024. <laughs> Sounds good. And we're- <laughs> so I was like, oh, I got to throw that away. <laughs> okay, okay. Alan had it already. He hopped his ass on Twitter yesterday and said, "Huh?" He said, "Control Alt Delete to 600 Okay. Words. Alan, was like, oh, well, well. Yo, Alan, Alan was about to send. He was about to press send when that news. Oh, okay. Broke. And, and now, I just remember I, I remember Alan's tweet saying, "Like I have a backup, you guys." <laughs> okay, because Alan hopped his ass on Twitter and said, "Now what the hell are we gonna do now?" <laughs> Look, I tell you, Alan knows a rewrite. Shit. He, he said, let's do Alan had to get in his Josh Griffith mode. He said, I got to pull something out for them. I got to get them. Um, but Alan, <laughs> what'd you say? You always need a plan B in life. Exactly. Always. My mama <laughs> raised me like that. My mama raised me to always have a plan B. And if you're a real smart bitch, they'll see in there too. Well, look at you guys just making Target coffee mug sayings. I love it. Um, Alan, where can our listeners read your column, though, when new ones come out? Thepopfreak.com. Sounds good to me. You can find me on Twitter at Case1999. You can find our show on Twitter at the chat underscore podcast. And you can also find our show on Facebook at the chat show podcast. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Wash your ass. If you got a cold and got to leave the house, bundle up and wear a fucking mask. Nobody wants your germs. Thank you.